Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And we're back with another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing today, Emily? That introduction pretty much sounded like how I feel. So. Shit. Was it shit? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but it definitely was uh, not the most enthusiastic <laughs> intro we've had. Listen, guys. This is dog days right now. Um, it's really like, I know everyone's excited about the World Series, like some people more than others. Personally, I worked in baseball for a long time. I don't care. I wouldn't even care wow. if it was. Yeah, I'm sorry, but this is the truth. I worked in it. It's really, it's a grind. As soon as I got out, I kind of was like, not again and not getting sucked into that. Baseball is just, it's a lot. So I just, I don't care about the World Series. I'm sorry. Um, I'm a pretty big baseball fan. I mean, I'm a Red Sox fan, but uh, my girlfriend's a Philly girl. So a Phillies fan, I know. So she's she, big you, you've fan. been sucked well, into it, but I just like, right especially being on the West Coast, like I literally couldn't care less about this. Well, you know what I mean? The like Dodgers stink. The Padres stink. The Giants yeah, stink. That's fine, but when Bay Area baseball and like California baseball is not relevant, it's like hard to care when you're out here. Cause you're just like, the games are later or they're earlier, weird, early yeah. times. I, and like, yeah. that, that's yeah. like the Pacific coast thing for everything. Like, yeah. Oh, it's, it's so like my girlfriend was complaining that the games at eight, not seven. I was like, well, people from California, they want them to watch the game, but it's hard when it starts at four and they're still at work for an hour. Yeah. I was like literally still at work today at Pebble and the USGA, we have like all these USGA people visiting, um, getting ready for the open and some NBC sports people. And they were all like, yeah, we're going to go watch the world series at like four. I was like, cool. I'm not off till five 30. So like have fun, but. It's tough to get the scheduling right. Cause there's people on the East coast. who will be like, well, I want my kid to watch the World Series, but I can't have them up until 1231 a.m. on a school I mean, night. like, I got it. There's nothing that's going to appease everybody. I understand. But there's this is just the country. There's too many time zones. Right. There. And this is. Everyone. But that's I'm just not going to watch it. So people could just get off my back and get over it. Like, I don't care. I'm not going to watch is it. It's fine. On your back about not watching the World Series. Yeah. Some people are like, how can you not? Like, for example, Saturday. And this is just total sidetrack. But Saturday, I went out to go. Like, I didn't travel this weekend, unfortunately. So I was not able to um, get to a game. But I was like, oh, great. I'll watch them from my local like Pebble Beach bars. And so I didn't get to travel this weekend um, again, which that has just been a theme of not being able to provide top coverage this year because of travel, because everybody is traveling. So whatever. I was like, I'm going to stay home and watch at my local bars, like get to see all the games. It's great. You know, when you don't have to be at a game, you could see all of them, which is nice. I was like, I'll watch all the American games and all. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be able to talk about all of them. It's awesome. Um, no, because when I went to the bar Saturday, instead of college football, which is what should be on every bar, on every TV on Saturday, like that's just mandate. They had all four TVs, all four of them 
turn to the Phillies game. I'm sorry, three of them to Phillies, one on the Warriors. I literally yeah. cannot think of a thing that could make me more mad than that. Well, so I just I got really drunk instead. And you should have gone to a better sports bar then. Why well, left? Yeah, it was not. To be fair, it wasn't a sports bar. But like, if you have four TVs, you'd think one is enough to be on the World Series. People are. It's more of a restaurant. It's not really a bar. Anyways, sure. whatever. So this gonna, is, you know, yeah, this, this is our moody episode. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a mood. I will tell you um, <laughs> it's going to be, although at least we get to start off with the Friday night game, which makes me happy. So, Oh, see, I was going to do that one last. So annoying. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, we can dive into our yeah. week nine recap real quick, which does start on Friday night with ECU 27 BYU 24. Emily, I know you feel passionate about this one. So tell me about it. I was so I mean, okay, here, this is the, this is the rub. Yes. ECU wins the game and they're amazing. And Holt Naylor's is the best quarterback in the AAC. And that's just what it is. But of course that's debatable, but that's how I feel in this moment in time and always. And, but here's the thing. Okay. It was in Provo. So points, major props to beating. What? I said elevation. Well, not just I just, I mean beating BYU at home. I think yes. that does mean more, right? So like I, I give them props for that. But yeah. BYU this year is trash. And so while mm-hmm. I'm yeah, they're like this is like their fourth loss in a row, fifth loss in a row, something like that. So while I'm proud of ECU and I think they played a good game, not a great game, a good game, mm-hmm. it's not really the accomplishment that you would want from a BCU team, a BCU BYU team that of your, you know, like a good mm-hmm. BYU team. Cause you look at the, the other teams that have yeah. decimated this, this Cougar squad and you're just like, Oh, okay. Well it's really not as impressive as I thought. So that's kind of where it was a little bit of a bummer. If that makes sense. Yeah. BYU is tricky because they still have a lot of talent and there's a reason they yeah. have like free and early season hype. But Which is no, so annoying because every year kind of broken about them right now. Yes. yes. Which, yeah, you would have liked to see ECU win a little bit easier than they did. But I think you have to take mm-hmm. into account. You're it's always a, a fight. Emotional win. You're on a short week. You had a lot of travel on top of the short week. You have to get across the country. You know, those mm-hmm. are factors. Um so preparation. I, I'm waiting for you to di- dissect the kicking, which because we finally get the, the freshman kicker has to step in. I was going to get to it because you've been predicting okay, the winning kick. You've been predicting an ECU game winning kick. Maybe not from this kicker, but you've been predicting it for a few weeks now. I told you they were going to win one with a field goal, but I, never in my wildest dreams, I will say, did I think it was going to be a freshman kicker? No, I mean, that was just... You thought it was going to yeah. be the same kicker, you know, same old, same old, nothing new. And it was just going to be uh, like. Or even like I didn't, there's, as we went into a deep dive in a previous podcast, we saw how many kickers they actually have on the roster yeah, and the freshman kicker. What? Just a weird amount. Weird amount. Yeah. Like, well, and for oh, yeah, someone who like, on. maybe, and I think it's smart to carry a couple guys. Cause you just, you don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, but the freshman kicker. That's the guy who ended up winning the game. Like, amazing, yeah. amazing. That's a good sign long term too. If you want to get into it, because if you have a freshman kicker who can kick in the clutch, then you've got a freshman. Mm-hmm. You've got a four-year kicker who you can trust, which is oh so God, rare just, in college football. 
You just rhymed too. Way to go. And speaking of, we're, we haven't said his name. Andrew Conrad, shout out, is the freshman yeah. kicker from ECU. He was special teams player of the week for the American. Not only did he score that game-winning field goal as time expired to, to beat BYU, he scored nine total points in the game. Um, he helped give the Pirates ball eligibility for the second consecutive season, which is exactly what you want to see for Mike Houston, you know, and I think this is year four um, for him. So that's, mm-hmm. this is what you want. This is what a normal trajectory looks like, Ryan Silverfield. Like, this is what things yeah. that are going well, well for a program Ryan look Silverfield like. didn't have to do a trajectory he had to maintain. He yeah. didn't mean it. So he's going to have to now. He's going to have to now. Uh, if he gets the opportunity. Uh, but that's <laughs> a conversation. Um, well, let me just say this. This is Mike Houston's 100th career uh, win. Speaking of his prior, you know, stops, this is his 100th career head coaching victory. Um, so that's a, I think that's a huge milestone. And you love to see that from a guy who is a program create like recreator that's what he does he goes into these schools and he turns them into these powerhouses and then he moves on he leaves the world a better place than when he found it and i think that's my favorite thing about mike houston and i loved i don't know if you saw this i tweeted the video when they asked him after the game like why did you go for it you know on that fourth and whatever it was towards the end where a lot of coaches would punt like we could name how many coaches in the ac that would punt there a handful, at least. Yeah, I mean, more than half, definitely. I think definitely. Gus Malzahn punts there. Gus Malzahn punts there most mm-hmm. of the time, I'd say. he He's he, a little bit more conservative in that type of situation than I would like to see. You know who I think would go for it, surprisingly, is yeah. Willie Fritz. Oh, Fritz? No, I, I think Willie Fritz, Fritz would go for it. Ken would go. Kenny Amatololo would, would go. Ken would go, yeah. I bet, Fickle, go. I bet Fickle punts. Defensive guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? He... Absolutely does. But when asked about it, Mike Houston had like the best answer. I can't remember the exact quote, but he was just like, hell yeah, we're going to go for it and forth. Like we're, we're trying to win. We're not trying to like give the ball back to them. And I just thought that was such like a Mike Houston answer and like so indicative of what this ECU team is. Um, obviously Holt Naylor's had, you know, his own game and did very well, but we have to shout out Keaton Mitchell, the one, two yeah. punch sophomore running back. Um, massive, massive Mitchell. Yes, he, re- he, he was incredible. He rushed for at least hundred yards in his third consecutive game, 21 carries for 176 yards, not just hundred, 176 plus a touchdown. Uh, he's a beast. And the fact that he's not on more of my Doak Walker, you know, mm. weekly honor, like award, whatever you call them Less. ballots. Thank Less. you. Ballots. The, the ballot that they give me. I wish Keith Mitchell was on it all the time, but he, he had a, he had a great game. So, and he's such a perfect compliment to Ehlers. That, you know? Yeah, that is true. They've got a very good, it's not just like guys in the backfield who are talented. It's guys who compliment one another. You are right. About yeah. That. They like, they have a good rapport, like their handoff. Yeah. I, you know what I tweeted that I think is so funny. Not that I think I'm funny, but what was funny in the game is that every time Holt Naylor's goes to hand off the ball to Mitchell or mm-hmm. whoever he straight up, like almost he moves forward. Like he's going to block for them because that is like the dude that he is. He doesn't back away or like roll out or kind of get out of the way. He like, you yeah. see him lurch forward every time. Like he wants to clear a path. He's he could block and hand it off. Oh yeah, he looks like a tight yeah. end. Yeah. Well, he looks like a fullback. He looks he's like a tall fullback. to be a fullback. Too tall. He's a little tall to be a fullback, but sometimes there are tall fullbacks. It happens on occasion. Okay. Okay. Daryl Johnston was a little bit tall. I'd have to go see. 
How tall the tallest is he? Because one. I feel like fullbacks in my head are 5'10", 5, 5'11". 5, I don't generally, I don't but sometimes six one. I, you get guys that are six one sometimes. Fullback. I mean, just because you have to be low. Yeah, it's you know, true. But it happens. Like sometimes, it's a good like height to weight ratio. It works out. Like the weight's distributed the they right good, way. They have a good thickness quotient. I gotcha. Mm, yes, Ailers is the thickness is the thick <laughs> king, and we salute him and congrats to ECU. Yeah. Yeah, and ECU, by the way, getting dangerously close to beating all four teams moving to the Pac-12 in the season. Dangerously yeah, close. That would be the best. That's Mike Houston could hang yeah, his hat on that. Houston coming. Um, <laughs> moving on, USF 27, Houston 42. I have seen He's... enough of Jeff Scott. He needs to be fired this season. <laughs> he is 1-25 oh, in, no. in twenty-five versus FBS schools. I want to tell you something. The oh. only team, the only FBS team they've played this year and held to under 30 points was Cincinnati. They've to five teams allowed at least 40 points. The defense, mm. and this is not a this season apparition. The defense has been abhorrent for the three mm. years he's been there. It's been embarrassing. Yeah. And it's not showing any sense of improvement. The offense like will show sense of love because they do have that athleticism on the outside and they do have fast guys and they can score explosively. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the offense does occasionally show a little bit of life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. This is a dead body to walk over (laughs) and it hasn't shown any improvement. And (laughs) talent. that's such a great description. But like the thing is there's talented guys on the defense, like Greer. Mm -hmm. I think he's a very talented linebacker. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because you're so out of position. You're, I just, I but do you think that? So, do you think that's on the DC, or do you think that's on Scott, or is that a scheme thing? DCs. They're just not. It's had multiple DCs. I think it's a. So then, in, I think it's, it's in the walls. I think it's in the walls at this point. You know? Interesting. You know, because you can well, DCs and not find it. Well, I was just going to say, like, I know I hate to do the UCF USF comparison thing because people hate when I do <laughs> then it. Don't. Then okay, don't do it. Gonna do it. But UCF for a few years in a row there from Scott Frost and Josh Apple never really had good defenses. You know what I mean? That's fair. Mm-hmm. You got Cass Malzahn in who had just a different mindset as a head coach. Yeah. And again, different defense coordinator too, yada, yada. And the defense is dominant. Yeah, you know, it's it's better. At, at the expense of a little bit of offensive explosiveness, but dominant defense. Mm-hmm. And, it's, you know, I mean, it's what can change. But, like, I've just, I've just seen enough. He's not winning. It's, he's not it's winning. Really, he's not going to find it, yeah. a way to win. It bums me out because I, I had high, high hopes for Jeff Scott and the USF Bulls oh. this year. But on the other side of that coin in this game, you have to give credit to Houston for finally. And and yeah, it's U, it's USF, but they're they're looking like the team we all thought they were. It took them long enough to get here. Um, Clayton mm-hmm. Toon finally, you know, looking like that dude that he was supposed to be. He, well, he accounted for three. Game. Oh, it was incredible. 399 yards of offense, total offense, four touchdown passes. Um, and now they're tied for second place in the American. So while they should have always been up there, you know, they yeah. did look for a while that maybe they weren't even going to be a contender. So well, you got to well, give credit to them for fighting it out and whatever, you know, uh, Holgerson's doing is, is working right now. Yeah. Well, part of why everyone predicted Houston to do so well this season was how easy their schedule is. Uh, mm-hmm. and right. Part of those people didn't think Kansas would be as improved as it was for the first, you know, month and a half of the year before their quarterback, Jalen Daniels got hurt. Right. You know what I mean? He got hurt and they definitely like took a fat step back. Yeah. Uh, 
but it's still a very easy schedule. And they're in the middle of a pretty easy stretch where their last, I mean, they lost to Houston was their last loss. Sorry, they lost to Houston, lost to Tulane was their last loss. And that was coming off a tough game against Rice. But they beat mm-hmm. them. It's a very close one that they kind of had to come from behind. Then they beat Navy pretty handily. Now USF pretty handily. I don't mm-hmm. think those are the three hardest teams to beat in a row. Don't get me wrong. It's still a three-game win streak over conference yeah. opponents. But I guess my question is, is it that Houston's figured things out? Or is it that they've mm-hmm. gotten lucky with their schedule? I think it's I think it's a little bit of both because I don't I don't know that Toon would be having the games. I mean that he's he's thrown nine touchdown passes in the last two games. Um, mm-hmm. He went thirty one of thirty seven, which is a career high percent completion percentage for him. Well, that's a crazy this, high completion percentage. Yeah, that, and that I mean even it, against a bad team, you're making less mistakes, you're tightening things up, and you're playing the way you're supposed to play against bad teams. That's what you want to see from Houston, mm-hmm. not the close games against mediocre teams where you almost lose and have to eke things out in overtime. You want to see games like this. So I, I, and I honestly, I lay, I lay a lot of it on tune. He surpassed 10,000 career passing yards and became the first player in the AAC conference history to finish a game with at least 30 completions, 300 passing yards, four touchdowns and an 80% completion percentage. The quadra fecta. Sure. Sure. Hey, <laughs> it's a hell of it's a more than three. So <laughs> he, uh, he earned offensive player of the week for that. So, and you're right. There wasn't just that you sent an easy schedule. Why people like me were predicting them to potentially mm-hmm. run the table, be 10 and two, 11 and one ish this year. It's because yeah, they are a very talented team and they are showing yeah. that against lesser competition, which they do deserve credit for. Uh, like I said, they're nowhere near Sac Avenue, though. Like that was that, that was a little never, premature. That came, yeah, that never came to that work. didn't work out. And but can you imagine this team with Alton McCaskill? Can you imagine yeah. if he had that, not that, gotten hurt? I think that was also part of it. I think they had to find themselves offensively without him for the first. Yeah, month. you know what I mean. Which to, is to, tough, you know. Where their balance was coming from, figure out now that everyone knows that we're kind of one dimensional again. How do we yeah. adjust? You know, there's reasons for hiccups in a season, you know, uh, for sure. Uh, I thought Marsh for USF played as well as you could expect him to. You know what I mean? Being a really third-string quarterback coming into the year because quarterback competitions between Bohannon and McLean. McLean just happened to transfer. Yeah, I just – there's really just nothing I'd love to say about USF. It's like – I know, I know. I'm just trying to find, like, if you're looking for silver lining, he might have a bright future. Who knows? Maybe. It won't no, be no, under no. Jeff Scott, probably. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't see how you can keep Jeff Scott around, though. That's just, yeah, I don't, like I said, I think. And I like the guy, I'm, you know, but. I don't think can't. he's a bad hire. I mean, in hindsight, every, right. you know, 20, hindsight's 2020, but hiring mm-hmm. a Clemson offensive coordinator with, you know, ties to the Tampa area makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Broadly speaking, you just look at that. That's a good hire in a bubble. Um, mm-hmm. He's done a lot of really good things program building wise off the field. I say that I think every week because it's the nice thing I can say because on the field, he looks unprepared schematically against other coaches. He looks unprepared to make adjustments compared to other coaches. Yeah. His time management skills and games have been really bad at points. Uh, you know, and that's the only time you notice that those the allocation is actually in a close game because most of the time it seems are getting blown out and that just can't keep happening. You just have to have more pride and you have to move on. Um, Moving on ourselves, Cincinnati 21. <laughs> We're going to move on. Yeah, Cincinnati 21, UCF 25. 
Let's say it one more time for me, Emily. Cincinnati 21, UCF 25. Cincinnati's 19-game conference winning streak gets kaputs. It's over. It's gone. Came into the bounce house and couldn't do nothing. Uh, That's wild. I mean, that was very wild to see. Uh, I think UCF, if we're, like, just from a pure scheme standpoint, forced Cincinnati to do on offense what something they couldn't do. They completely took away the running game and said, mm-hmm. all right, Ben Bryant, if you want to win this game for your team, you have to throw downfield that man coverage. And you know what Ben Bryant cannot do? He cannot <laughs> throw downfield into man coverage. He just doesn't. No. He's, not, he's just not capable of it, you know, because he's not like Desmond Ritter, who represents a threat in the running game, quarterback running game too. So mm-hmm. you're not too worried about that. And UCF has really good corners. And Cincinnati's receivers couldn't get open enough consistently enough. And he couldn't, you know, thread the needle when it needed to be threaded. Yeah. And that really shut down Cincinnati's offense. Um, and the flip side of it, this game really shouldn't have been as close as it was, except UCF had two red zone fumbles in the second half that probably both would have been touchdown drives. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just the way those drives were going, but they coughed up twice and that, that'll kill you. But that's, we're talking about, a potentially like 37, 38 to 21 game rather than 25, 21. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's, it's a massive flip to get those stops if you're Cincinnati, which is what a good teams do. Cincinnati is still clearly an incredibly well-coached team. It's one loss. It doesn't sink your chances at winning the conference. For instance, you're still right in it. You're still in second place. You know, it's like yeah. a three-way. I think it's it's Tulane 4-0 at the top. And uh, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston all tied at 3-1 and one for second. And then ECU. Well, you actually, yeah, ECU's, I mean, ECU and UCF both picked up their six wins this weekend, yeah, uh, becoming the third and fourth bowl eligible teams from the American joining Tulane and Cincy. The American mm-hmm. is one of five conferences with at least four bowl eligible teams. So that's the ACC, the Big Ten, Pac-12, and the SEC. Mm-hmm. So for those of us who don't, you know, advocate for group of five, that's. That's something. That's something right That's there. Something, so. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. John Rice Plumley concussion, it looked like. I don't think they were a concussion, but it was pretty clearly a concussion because he was unconscious standing up for a little bit there. Uh, scary. And he, fell, and he fell down, um, came out for the second half in street clothes with big sunglasses on. Uh, Gus said he's day to day. Sunglasses? Because of the glare. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, Gus said he's day-to-day this week. Uh, Mikey Keene replaced him, which actually caught me off guard because, uh, well, we had seen... Well, I don't have an issue with Mikey Keene. I just thought that... I know. Since we consistently saw Castellanos in the mop-up role and, like, getting reps in games, yeah. my presumption would be that Castellanos had won the second-string job in all reality, whether it had been said plainly or not, you know? But... Mm-hmm. Apparently, Gus wanted to go with the experience instead of a freshman. Oh, yeah, in a game like that, especially with the stuff that's on the line. You know, um, and he looked like a good – he looked good throwing the ball. He looked a lot better than he did last season throwing the ball. Uh, Still doesn't run it as well as Plumlee. That's kind of where Gus chose Plumlee is he's a better runner. And that's what Gus wants out of his quarterback. Um, Though it gets Mm -hmm. you a concussion sometimes, apparently. It does. Yes, If you're not thick enough, it will. And he, he, yeah, he dropped his head. Like it was a head helmet to helmet hit that no targeting got called on. Or both. Yeah. It was one of the linebackers for since I'm forgetting which one right now. But they, uh, they dropped heads into each other and the little old guy came out rougher for it. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, that's the, that's oh. the reasoning behind the thickness quotient. So, yeah. 
It is. Uh, one last note for me for this game, because I, did, I could mm-hmm. talk about it for longer. I know. Than uh, Cincinnati, 35 rushing yards, UCF, 258 rushing yards. That's the mm. game. Since he couldn't yeah. do it well, UCF when they needed it, it could just run through them. And it's funny that you say that because defensive player of the week was Josh Seliscar. I never say his name right. Um, junior defensive end. And he was part of this defense that limited Cincinnati to those 35 mm-hmm. rushing yards you're talking about. 333 yeah. total yards. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say Seliscar had the safety, right? Or was that someone else? Uh, he had five solo tacos. Yeah. So five solo tackles, a sack, and a safety. Um, yeah. That's, I thought it was they down. held they held Cincy to just three rushing first downs, and they were they held him to four of fourteen on third down conversions. Which is, I mean, I, am I surprised by this? No, because this is not the Cincinnati team, and we've talked about that so many times. But yeah. for UCF, who has been inconsistent and not a team you can always count on, I was yeah. a little surprised. The defense has had one bad game all year, and it was the CU game. You know, other than that, the yeah. defense has been, the offense is a little bit more iffy. Right. You know, the Louisville game they randomly didn't show up for. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, being the prime example the, of that. The first half of like the Georgia Tech game, the offense really didn't show up for either. You know, like yeah. they random the offense has randomly not been there at times, and there's been times when it's about seventy points in a game. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. the offense is a weirdly inconsistent one, but the defense has been very good, and I think they showed out in a way that I expect them to. It was at home. It's just a yeah. good one. It's a feel good one for UCF fans who it is. I've been feeling like a little bit like it's a, it's a little monkey off your back because you couldn't beat Cincinnati. You couldn't do much against them the last couple of years at all. Yeah, it's definitely um, it feels good. And we're happy for you. Two other notes for this honor roll mentions for RJ Harvey, the junior running back for UCF yeah. rushed for 84 yards and two touchdowns on 18 carries. And lastly, UCF head coach Gus Malzahn is seven and zero in American athletic conference home games in his career. How long is this streak going to go on is the question. Well, at least until they're in the Big 12. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess. Well, okay, how long do you think? Magic. Right. Technically, yes. But how long do you think he'll keep a home, you know, winning streak they, going? To my knowledge, UCF only has one more home game this season. It's against mm-hmm. Navy. Yeah, so they'll definitely finish this year undefeated at home, which is or undefeated at home under his under him. That's good. Yeah. And if they they beat, they've got Tulane on the schedule at Tulane. If they were to win that game, they'd be in a good position. And, you know, obviously tons of other things can happen. They'd be in a good position to potentially host the AAC championship game as well. That'd be fun. Which for UCF, they really need to host that game because that's where that's a big, they win it. That's a big yeah. split for Gus is at home versus away when he's at UCF. It's pretty yes. notable. It is. Um, <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Oh, uh, before we before we move on from Cincinnati, um, I'm just going to mention this because we're talking about them. Uh, they appear – actually, no, they didn't. Um, I'm talking about UCF. That's what I meant. Sorry. I'm used to saying Cincinnati being ranked in the college football playoff rankings, but that's ranked. no longer no longer a thing. That honor would go to UCF, mm-hmm. um, who appeared 25th in the CFP, in the very first CFP rankings of the year. So that's exciting. We had two, we have two teams in it. We'll get to the second team later. We don't have, why don't we throw out the second team now? Because we don't have them in our recap. Oh, okay. Well, the second team is Tulane. Uh, The Tulane Green Wave, seven and one start, made their first appearance in the college football playoff rankings at number 19. So that's 
Pretty they're incredible the, to have two teams in here. Yeah. You know, they're the only important note for the postseason. They're the only two mm-hmm. G5 teams currently ranked. And the way you mm-hmm. get to be the G5 representative in the year six bowl is you win your conference and you're the highest ranked group of five team in the college football playoff bowl. The so, only problem is that they both have they have to losses. play one another. They both have losses. Well, no, I, I mean, you need to be undefeated, I think. No, not for the New Year's Six. Oh, New Year's Six. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking no, about... Um, the playoff. Like, yeah, they're not making the playoff. I'm yeah, not trying to suggest no, that no. they're going. Okay, I thought you were saying that. I was like, no, well, no, no. Last year, Cincinnati dare to dream, went, Dan. Last year, Cincinnati team wouldn't make the playoff this year the way it's kind of playing out with like, maybe, yeah. four, maybe four SEC teams are good enough to get in this year, <laughs> plus two <laughs> Big Ten teams. And we'll ignore undefeated Clemson and TCU because that's inconvenient. Uh, I think it's exciting for Tulane because it's their first ever yeah. CFP ranking yeah. in the playoffs nine-year history. Um, yeah. they, they moved up, you know, they got 455 points on Sunday in the AP. So that's great. It ascended three plate. They got up three places, 369 po- points in the coaches total poll where they're 21st they're making them the highest ranking group of five member in all three polls so it's exciting for them a team that has not had this kind of national attention in, in a long time if ever yeah uh 98 would probably be the last time they had this amount of attention mm-hmm. and before then it's been a while yep. well it's yes, been it a has. while so we had to uh, give them a little shout out absolutely yeah got our college football playoff top 25 in there uh moving on now SMU 45, Tulsa 34. Ugh, uh, how about a game where? Because you really thought Tulsa had it? I just like, I don't think SMU is good. And it bothers me. Yeah, that they be, it bothers me that they be Tulsa, which Tulsa, like, why are you doing this? Because Tulsa's a fundamentally flawed team. Yeah. And they're not necessarily. Yeah. Bad. But they're fundamentally flawed in places. Most the, agents of chaos are fundamentally flawed. So yeah. that checks out. And it's checking out in a bad way pretty consistently <laughs> this year for Tulsa, who's now one and three in conference, and that one wins over Temple. And they didn't look mm-hmm. particularly good overall against Temple. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, both starting quarterbacks in the game went down with injuries. Uh, yeah, that's SMU, crazy. For SMU, Tanner Mordecai was already out with a concussion. Preston Stone went down with, I believe it's a collarbone, and I think he's out for the year from my understanding, Stone. Uh, Davis Brin, uh, I thought he struggled in this game before leaving with an injury. Uh, I was unable to find an update on his injury status, so. Mm. They actually don't generally say anything. Tulsa's very, yeah. they fly under the radar in that regard. Some schools, some programs really like to hide it if they can, you know. I just think they just, they're just not, oh, that's there's, what not they, big, there's not big shares over there. Uh, private school, not as much attention paid to them as some other places in the state. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. hard for Oklahoma to hide the injury status of their quarterback. It's a little bit easier for Tulsa. Yes. That's, that's just true. how it goes sometimes. Um, you mentioned Preston Stone. One of the notes on him, uh, he threw a 70, if you didn't watch the game, he threw a 75 yard touchdown pass on the first play of his first career start. In this win, which I thought he looked pretty solid in this game. I mean, I think he looked mm-hmm. like a freshman at times too, but before yeah. injury, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, you know, I think they, I think the final score is a little bit closer than it actually was overall. The game it got a little bit weird at the end, as it often does at Tulsa. You know I mean? Yeah, but yeah, um, it does, as it often does there. But it's a, uh, I mean, SMU. To my eye, when I watched this game, 
just has better athletes and jumped out ahead and kind of yeah. at arm's length the whole way. And there was, it just didn't seem like Tulsa's defense had any response. And this has kind of been a theme for me watching Tulsa this year is their defense doesn't respond the way it did from uh, like 2019 through 2020. Yeah. Like that stretch yeah, there. Yeah, that's true. 2019-ish through 2021, their defense was really good at responding. They, yeah. It's a different built team. This team's much more air raid, uh, you know, spread than the past couple of years where they've been relying on Brent to throw the ball around the field more. And I, mm-hmm. I think – stylistically it might be what they have to just with guys who graduate on the offensive and defensive lines but i think it shows as a worse worse win percentage i think that's where you've seen that this this scheme isn't helping them out right now to me that's my kind of assessment on tulsa Rashi Rice getting some attention, more attention. I mean, he he got a little preseason, it died down a bit, but now he's getting some for his he honorable mention for the AC for nine um catches for 180 yards and two touchdowns. But he definitely had some people talking about him, especially on Twitter. And in that same vein, you know, you had a balanced office offense for SMU, which is something they haven't been finding in stride. Tyler Levine senior running back, um, 72 yards and three touchdowns in the game as well. So I think, you know, maybe Tanner Mordecai going out and I hate to say this, but maybe it forces them to be more balanced and to not rely on this guy all the time because he doesn't always make the best decisions, you know, and I don't know. That's a positive term. You know, I think I've said that before. Gunslinger is a thing that doesn't, it's not necessarily a good thing. Not everyone can be, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is a gunslinger, right? You know, but Patrick Mahomes will randomly throw the ball like sideways across the middle and throw an interception. You're like, why yeah. does he throw that? Well, because he throws up nine, you know, nine times out of ten, it works. And you're like, it's amazing. Look what he did. Right. But, you know, but not every guy makes it look amazing every time they end up with right. more <laughs> right? than that. Yes, more the guy makes it look very, very like average. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, from what I've heard, not that he's, that, he's not an average quarterback. I, he's a good quarterback. I just, but, you know, he's a gunslinger. And I know what you mean, which leads to mistakes. That's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I, I gotcha. I know that you're just clarifying. He also doesn't but, always make the best choice. You know, like you've noticed it sometimes where he just, he there. tries to find rice all the time or he just goes with his first look. And well, I, I thought they're still doing the let's throw to rice all the time with their backup and third. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but we saw more running involved. We saw some running yeah. touchdowns. Which was they're a little, I agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. From my understanding, Mordecai should be good to go this Saturday, by the way, out of, he nice. should be out of concussion protocol by then. Um, and you got anything else on this game for me? Nope. All right. Moving on to our last game of week nine. And that is everyone's the game that had everyone on the edge of their seats. The game <laughs> everyone turned into prime time last Saturday. Temple 20, Navy 27 in overtime. Mm-hmm. Emily. What a glorious overtime. <laughs> Tell me. How many bags I of try. popcorn did you go through for this one? <laughs> I was just happy to see both teams that I like be competitive, but yeah, yeah, I'm just like, you know, I'm glad they made it a game, but I'm happy Navy won. I'm happy. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that we're in such a kind of year zero. You don't have to really do anything other than show a little bit of proof of concept at Temple. That's okay that they lose a game like this. Whereas for Navy, it's kind of at this point of like, well, what are we now? You know what I mean? You're kind of taking mm-hmm. a step back and saying, like, 
where do we stand? Where do we figure into this? Like, mm-hmm. where do we fit into the conference hierarchy? And you want to establish that you're still above the teams that are massive rebuilds, you know? Yes. Um, and this was an incredibly Navy game. Oh my God. Zero, yeah. There is some fun notes from Navy on this on one. Two passes, yeah. uh, 37 minutes time of possession. This is exactly how they want to play every single game. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite like notes that we got because we always get these post-game notes from the AC and they're great about sending them and finding them. They're awesome. I love little fun facts like that. And th- that one to me, Navy beating Temple without completing a pass over two, like you said, that is just, I love it. I love it so much. I love it. It's perfect. No notes. It is. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My problem really with Temple is their offense is so bad. It, and I, I like Warner. I've said that. I still like Warner. Uh, he has no one to throw to. He has no offensive line blocking for him. And the running game is anemic, as I think polite. They had 20 yards rushing. <laughs> they had 20 yards rushing. Yeah. It's just you cannot win. They'll get no, there. No. They'll get there. It's know, gonna take time. I know, and you need stand because ready. he's a running back guy. Well, that's kind of that's what Drayton is. The running back position didn't maybe get someone in the transfer portal who could do better than this. I mean, yeah. just I just give him give him a year. No, I'm one hundred percent. Trust me, Emily. I'm same boat as you with Drayton. I think he's yeah. a good. Coach. I think he's going to get there. He'll get there. He's he got so he's... many things to put fires out on different fronts. Like yeah. the running back, he at least Next knows. Team. You know, yeah. I'm not. Worried. Well, I think we agree that the job he had to do this season was fix the culture. Yeah, and he has. I think he's. I, he's, I, yeah. I think when you watch Simple play, they're competitive. <laughs> I think they're playing hard. I mean, they were down thirteen nothing after the first quarter in this game, and they fought back to bring it to overtime. They did. They fought, and you wouldn't have seen that under Rod Carey. Last year, they go down 13 nothing and they fold. And they give up. They stay down. <laughs> they give exactly. up 20 more that, points. Yeah. That game, yeah, that game ends up being 39-3 to last season. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, like, so. That, that's a huge difference. I know that it's still a loss if you're a Temple fan. But just remember how far it's come. You know, I, yeah. I say to the UMass fans who I interact with sometimes, I know that UMass sucks. I know that they've got a high schooler playing quarterback and they don't, actually they've got four high schoolers and they can't choose between them. <laughs> like these guys, they, they don't have an FBS quarterback on the roster. Not one who should be FBS. At least I know they're technically quarterbacks on an FBS team, but like UMass led New Mexico state at halftime, they led Eastern Michigan at, at halftime. They lost both of those games, but those are not games you would have led at halftime last season. Those are games you would have been down by 25 at halftime last season. So take those, the defense is respectable at UMass. Like, Take that as a moral victory, except that this year still sucks and get back to me next year. If like the blatant issues and I'm thinking about temple now, blatant issues in the running game haven't been fixed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I can say, yeah, they probably, the transfer portal exists. I can see wanting to build mostly through high school and like developmentally, but you can find a quicker fixed bandaid in the meantime too. You know what I mean? Yeah. But year, year one, the way it is for Drayden, 
great job so far. Ignore that. It's a loss. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And think about it more big picture, I guess is what I'm saying. Take a step back. Yeah. I agree with you. We have some notes on Navy um, for the other side of it. Uh, John Marshall, senior linebacker for Navy was special teams or not honor roll player of the week, 11 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, a sack, three quarterback hurries and five pass breakups in the overtime win against Temple. So he basically did a little bit of everything. Um, and then he had three tackles and a pass breakup on Temple's six overtime plays. So the man just doesn't sleep. And what a name, John Marshall. Just like. That's a super Navy name. Like such a Navy. Yeah, just uh, totally. I know. I'm going to get that. my like military ranks for the wrong uh, branch of the military here. But Field Marshal, John Marshall. I don't because the Navy doesn't have marshals. That's an army thing. Oh, yeah. See, I don't. But like it would have field marshal, marshal. Come on. Oh, oh, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yes. I, again, not the Navy, but you know what I mean. But adjacent. I got it. It's in the yeah. vein. Um, yeah. Navy improved to 13 and 2 on senior day under head coach Ken Niamatololo with the win. And Navy has now played four games as an AAC member in which it did not complete a pass and has gone three and one in those games. That's kind of a fun fact. They're a lot of play. <laughs> Run the damn ball. We love it. Because when Navy isn't completing passes, that means they've got the lead and you're trying to catch up to them. Yes, correct. So it works mm-hmm. in their favor. And then lastly, Navy is three and this season when they have held the opponent scoreless on their opening drive. So that's a fun fact. And 0 and five when the opponent scores on its first possession. So it's very important to Kenny Matalolo. Well, that they just don't let them score on that very first drive. Yeah. Well, set the tone. Yeah. Some people, it doesn't matter, but that's interesting with Navy um, that Again, they have to. I do think that that's a very legitimate factor for Navy, just the function of their offense. If they're playing from behind, then they have to open things up and yeah, they can't do what they want to do as schematically as they normally would like to, I guess is the word I'll use. Uh, yeah, that was week nine in the AAC. Uh, on our picks for the before week. You was... move on, before Ooh. you move on, though, I forgot one note, and I wanted yes, to say this because it's a tight end. It's a tight end note. I love, you know, to give some love to tight end. Cincinnati tight end Josh Wiley, who... Yeah. Get, you know, is a great player and deserves guy. the attention he's getting. He registered his 15th career touchdown reception in the UCF game, breaking Brent Selleck's program record for tight ends. So a little bit of tight end history this weekend for Cincinnati. Brent Selleck, you have been surpassed. You have. We're sorry, but you've I'm not. been dethroned. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it's not like he's a Kelsey <laughs> brother or something like that. But maybe Josh Wiley will be in NFL Next Kelsey. Next Kelsey. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Never know. We'll see. Uh, all right, picks left. Week 10. Oh, no, we're doing picks. I was Ugh, just going to drop right. the, the title. Go ahead. I was 5-0 and oh last week. Great. 49-16 and 16 overall. You were 3-2. 37-28 and 28 I'm still overall. winning. You're what I like about record. this season is that I have more winning records than losing records, which is yeah. – Last year, you had a few weeks where you're like, I'm going to pick only underdogs. I'm like, why'd I go one and four? <laughs> yeah, I was impulsive. I just thought there'd be more thoughts. chaos. And you also, yeah. last year you had the problem where you wouldn't get off Temple, not Temple, uh, Tulane, even though you very clearly need to get off Tulane. 
And then this year you've had the trouble getting back on Tulane, even though you Yeah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not, I don't care if it costs me. I'm not going to do it. Well, so, hey, you have the opportunity with our first game next <laughs> to get <laughs> do on. Do I? You do. Uh, because we're starting with Tulane at Tulsa. Mm. You know no. what's funny about this game? What's is funny? Really obviously, no, number, you know, numbers are, I don't think they're going to matter. So Tulane is obviously the better team. Like no one is going to debate that. And mm -hmm. they have everything to lose in this game. They have their ranking. They have the conference championship, you know, dream, everything to lose. Tulsa, they don't give a shit in the sense that like, they, what, what do they have? Uh, Tulsa's record on the season that makes them dangerous. Is sorry, I'm going to pull up. I, I always forget records because oh, I no, just, I have them right here. If you want me to, uh, yeah, oh, no, help me out here. Help. Oh my god! Hold on. Pause for okay. Tulsa's here we go. So they five. are they're three and yes, five. Three and which five. Means, which means in this month of November, they are still fighting for bowl eligibility. They need to win three out of four to get there. Okay, well, fine. They're fighting for that, but that's about it, which makes them very dangerous, especially at home. This game, Tulane is favored by seven and a half, which is not a lot, you know, given the SMU just dismantled Tulsa. And like you wonder, sometimes I don't know where these odds makers are doing, but I do know. I think Tulsa could upset Tulane at home? Yes, I do. Well, I agree with that too. It could. I agree okay. that they could because they could. They probably won't. I think Davis Prince health is a huge concern because they're keeping that yes. pretty hidden from me. And I have no idea yeah. exactly what the deal is there. Um, and I know why they're doing that. Yada, yada. Don't need to break it down. Like there's a few different reasons why they might be. doesn't matter. Uh, that's if he doesn't play, I absolutely think there's, you know, 99% chance Tulane wins. Uh, if he does play and he's healthy enough to go, he isn't just like trying to play through something. You know what I mean? then I think there's a chance he could create a shootout, which I don't know that Michael Pratt would thrive in. Yeah. You and don't, that's like, that's you don't how, want that, that. That's how Tulsa wins this game is they make it a shootout. I think that's very hard to do in yeah. defense, which is why Tulane's, you know, break 19th mm -hmm. in the country is because their defense yes. doesn't let you put, make it a shootout. It makes it, the defense has done this great thing for their offense where 24, 28 points gets it done most weeks. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They don't really yeah. have to get crazy. Uh, okay, here's my question for you, though. In Tulane's last game, which they obviously had a bye, so they're, you know, recovering they, from this game where they – they should, but what's lingering with you is that you were beating a Memphis team 35-0 to zero at the half, yeah, and you I, let them climb all the way back in. I mean, that's got to that's gotta stick with you a little bit through yeah, the bye I week, mean, I think. I think that's a really good learning experience for Tulane. And with the bye week, mm -hmm. it gives you time to correct it. Because Tulane came out of that game against Memphis in fourth gear, hit halftime and drifted back into first gear, and took too long remembering, oh, the game's still going on. So I think being able to play that game and learn the lesson while still getting the win is huge because now Tulane can go, all right, we know that our mentality needs to be different in the second half of games where we're feeling confident about ourselves. So mm. I think that's actually a positive thing. I can spend that. I shouldn't say I think it's positive that they almost blew a 35 point lead. That's not a positive thing. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? 
but I think you could spin it into a good learning experience if you're a good head coach, which we know Willie Fritz to be a good head coach. Uh, my only, my only like positive, well, I can just say only like I, Tulane's a better team. Okay. They're a better team. They have a better balanced yeah, well, offense. Yeah. We know they have a better defense. We know they're the better. We know team. they're a better team. Yeah. I will say this about Pratt. Cause you know, my reservations about Michael Pratt. I know he, he did have zero turnovers. The team had zero turnovers. That's huge coming out of that. Clean yeah. football. It's what it yes. does. So. With, not to bring it to your, your favorite team, East Carolina, but when ECU plays clean football, they're maybe the, they're one of the best teams in this conference. Yeah. Yeah. And when they play even slightly sloppy football, it, they lose to Navy. You know? uh, Tulane is in you know, many ways the same way. If they can play a clean game, they're really, really hard to beat. You know what's uh, funny about these AAC teams? I'm just noticing. Go for it. And, and this may this may sound stupid, but we're talking about you know ECU and how they have the the one two punch of Ailers and Mitchell, and then you look at Tulane and they've got Pratt and Ty J Spears, who's also incredible. That yeah. that like good, partnership. One two punch, yeah. Yeah, and then you look at Tulsa and you know Davis Brin if he's healthy and Generic Prince. So it's kind of yeah. interesting. And Prince hasn't played the whole season. I, I know, that. but when he did explode back on the scene, it was like, this is what it could have that, been all year. Yeah, that Temple game was like kind of a flat. Oh, Brent, Brent played so terribly in that Temple game that you almost didn't get the feeling. You know <laughs> what I mean? But Prince saved the They day. have the potential to be what Ehlers well, and the, Mitchell are, but they're not. Well, you know what I'm saying? There's problems with it. The offensive line, Brent's got in sex. I think th- I saw 30 so many times. It's like Brent's playing, it's game, he's playing these games from his back. The running game, therefore, doesn't have as many holes to go through. And mm-hmm. Because Brent's is so big and strong, he can power through and get four or five yards to carry, anyways. But like, mm-hmm. it's tough when your offensive line is not doing its job. And yeah. it's tough when the defense is making it so most games have to be shootouts. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, that's my big reservation, my big holdup with Tulsa. I don't. I think Davis Brown is a good quarterback. I think he's had a few pretty bad games in a row, to be honest with you. I don't mm-hmm. think he's a bad quarterback because of that. I just think he has no support. Exactly. I think he's in a bad yeah. position right now. I shouldn't say no support because Keelan Stokes is awesome, but no. I I mean from his no, offensive line. I know. Yeah, I know right. you meant, but I did want yeah. to just shout. Make sure that yes, Keelan Stokes is, is amazing because he so. deserves to get mentioned whenever we talk yes. about Tulsa. But he is um, either, so well, anyway. I'm going to take is that Tulsa. <gasps> Are you going to take Tulane? Yeah, of course I am. <sighs> Can I circle back to this one? This is I'm going to be my, make my last decision. Okay. Yeah, Emily, we will hold you accountable and make you pick. Yeah, I will pick at the end of the show when I get a better gut feeling because right now it's like I want to pick Tulsa and I know that that's probably not smart, but I'm going to try and talk myself out of it through the course of the rest of the previews. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I acknowledge my flaws. They're there. I know they're there, but (laughs) Uh, here, here will be a fun one for you to pick. It's USF Mm -hmm. at Temple. Equally not great, but um, this is our pillow fight of the week here in the American Athletic Conference. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good pillow fight? It's a sexy college pillow fight <laughs> at Temple. Who would win in an actual pillow fight, Stan Drayton or Jeff Scott? Stan Drayton. Yeah. 
Yeah, let's not. Who do you think has better pajamas, Stan Drayton or Jeff Scott? I bet Stan Drayton wears silk pajamas, whereas I bet Jeff Scott goes to bed as boxers. It's really weird that you had that too quickly. Like that was too quick of an answer about these grown men pajamas. Uh, I'm not saying you're wrong. You're not wrong. But Stan like, that right was... on the uh, lapel, a little SD <laughs> as initials on the lapel. Oh my God. Uh, I'm going to start thinking about these for all of these matchups now. All right. We can do them. We can circle back to Tulane Tulsa. <laughs> Willie Fritz. Willie Fritz is in a Will... robe, but he leaves the front open. No way. He's all he's like neck. in the robe, fully all the way to the neck, buttoned. So he probably because he, he probably is like tight. I think he just lets it yeah. flow. No, I think he keeps it tight. No, I, and think, I think Bill like, Montgomery is in like whatever like military pajamas are. I think uh, white Hanes t-shirt and your uh, whitey tighties then. Oh my god. I don't ew. know. I don't ew, know. Ew, ew. I'm not in the military. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, what do you say about this South Florida Temple game other than hey, like Temple's the only team Jeff Scott's ever beaten who's an FBS squad? Oh my god. There's I mean, literally no way USF wins this game. Um so you think it's gonna be close? This is Temple with its awful just embarrassing offense versus USF with its awful embarrassing defense. Right. Uh, so who's less embarrassing? In that Who has section? a better kicker? I mean I don't Neither. Know. I was going to say, I don't actually right. know the answer to that question. We should actually um, look up their stats you, and kicking. You do that while I point out that I think Temple's defense is pretty good this year. I don't want to say it's great or anything like that because that might be giving right. putting the card ahead of the horse. Um, I think U.S. South's offense is okay. You know. Okay. So I think, and we're going to see, you know, it's Marsh. It's the second start now. Still very much a very young and experienced quarterback. But you got weapons mm-hmm. on the outside. I think, I think Temple shuts down the USF offense to about twenty-ish points, twenty-one, twenty points in that range. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I get the question: Well, USF is favored by three and a half at Temple, so that's so it's definitely going to come down to a field goal. And okay, and you know, I just, <laughs> I guess my thing is, I have ne- under Jeff Scott, like I pointed out when we were doing just talking about their game against Houston. He's been mm-hmm. so bad defensively and just so consistently allows 30-plus points. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time seeing them holding Temple under 20-ish points. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Even if they only get to, like, say, 24 to 27 points. And I just don't know that. I think it's going to be very close. I just, I'm, I don't know. I'm really kind of in between flip-flopping about where do I think the strength lies like that? Well, here you go. I'm just walking it out of my head. USF kicker, Spencer Schrader, 11 of 13 on the year. So that's an 84.6 com- percentage of completions of field goals. Um, longest is 52. That's pretty big. Okay. So that's like, he, he ranks sixth in the conference. He's not bad. Then bad. Temple, Rory Bell, nine of 16. completion percentage, but his longest was from 55. Okay. Daniel Obarski, you can kick it a mile. He has no idea where it's going. Got it. uh, But that comes in clutch sometimes when it's like down to the wire, like long field goal that you need. I mean, I don't know. It's like consistency versus clutch a little bit. This this is my thing is I need to decide. I, 
I think I'm really kicking is going to be the difference. Yeah, I'm leaning. Let's also look at punting. Who is the better punter? Oh, oh man. Well, neither. Said- Temple, Temple's not great, but but where's USF in this? They're like not even. Oh, they're at the bottom. Andrew Stokes. Oh boy. Oh boy. Give me, well, give me turnovers after this. <laughs> <laughs> He's averaging 39 yards a punt. Andrew Stokes from South Florida. So that's not great. But then the Temple punter, also not great, averaging only 42. You know, you'd think they'd be better with all the practice they get. Although it's crazy as Stokes has a long of 66. He must have caught the wind or a good bounce on one. You know what I mean? He's had none blocked. Neither of them have any had any blocked, so that's good. Actually, the only team that's had a punt blocked is... Say it. UCF. I know. I know. <laughs> Just say it. Special teams matters, guys. So if you think, you it know. Really does. No, I, I've said it on this podcast before that the only reason UCF lost to Louisville was that they still had Obarski kicking and he missed a kick, which meant that they had to go for a touchdown instead of overtime, you know? Yeah. Miscellaneous. It's Let's look at, I love looking at penalties as well. Not that that. Well, that, I think. It's an interesting one because it kind of tells you the discipline of a team. It kind of tells you the, you know, how yeah. many times are you going to be reckless and extend the other team's drive or short circuit your own in a game? Temple, surprisingly, not penalized. Temple is out Florida, third and fourth in the conference. Um, least penalized teams. Okay. Tulsa Maybe being the most. Maybe it's number one, right? My God, Tulsa averages 71 penalty yards a game that's more than maybe yards that they average i'm just kidding but that'd be funny that's close that'd be funny <laughs> anyways uh okay so for this one i'm yeah, going we have to, to pick this game now yeah we do have to pick we, we're, um, we're beating around the bush big time i'm gonna go temp i mean i really think jeff scott like is playing for his life literally so uh, like in reality, I think USF tries to win it, but I I do think Temple pulls it out because they've just USF been getting so close. Um, no, they're a more cohesive team, and they actually look like they want to play together. Whereas USF sometimes, yeah, I mean, like dead man walking I'm gonna a pick, little bit. I'm gonna agree and pick Temple as well. All right, I'm gonna do that. Philadelphia in November it might be a little chilly. Weather well, might be a yeah, little bit especially cold. for those South Florida boys. Yeah, all right, so we're both on Temple, and we're not really confident okay. about it, and we're wondering. I mean, <laughs> Rolling the dice, man. Who knows with that game? Uh, UCF at right. Memphis. Oh, boy. What a shit show. <laughs> I don't really – I mean, there's um, no way UCF loses. There's no way. Memphis is coming off a bye. Uh, good young quarterback against a really good veteran secondary for UCF. Uh, I think that you're going to see UCF shut down Memphis's run game, and then they're going to mm-hmm. bring Blitz City off on uh, in God, what, Hennigan. Seth Hennigan. I yeah, I don't know why I blanked out his name for a second there, uh, but they're going <laughs> to. I got you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think it's going to be about you know shutting down the run game bringing blitzes to tee off on him again and making him throw into a secondary and man-on-man coverage. I think it's going to be very similar to what you saw them do against Cincinnati because it works so well against yeah. Cincinnati. And you have the same kind of, you know, 
I I don't know that they've got a single receiver who's consistently get open on the secondary. You know, that's the same problem for me. I will say this though, Hennigan handles blitzes surprisingly well for a young guy because he he has to, he has to deal with it all the time. And, and Mm -hmm. so I will say like, I think he'll handle it while for, for a while. Well, and then he won't, and then it'll break down. So I I do think UCF's only favored by three and a half, which is wild to me, given that they're ranked 25th in the nation and Memphis is a complete dumpster fire in my eyes. Like, I guess maybe that's too harsh, but. Well, again, Liberty Bowl coming up five reasons for it. Um, hey, UCF offense. No. You have questions about who's going to be the quarterback. Is it Mikey Keene? Is it John Rice Plumley? I mean, and I guess like, maybe that's why. Yeah. Part of it, you know. It's disrespectful. Um, UCF's got a really good running game, too, and I don't see Memphis stopping it. You know, yeah. I don't see Memphis stopping UCF's running game. They don't all. stop much of anything. Uh, well, that's what I'm getting at. And UCF has more talented players on the outside. and but yeah. They're a better team at pretty much every position. I think you could argue that, especially with a possibly injured quarterback, that Memphis is better at quarterback at every other position and head coach UCF is better at. Yeah. So, I think also uh, Gus Malzahn would absolutely decimate Ryan Silverfield in a pillow fight. You think so? Oh, 100%. And would go for Gus's glasses and then like try to break the glasses. No, I don't think Ryan Silverfield has a cutthroat bone in his body, like at all. Okay. okay? And okay. I also think if we're going to talk PJs, that Gus Malzahn definitely sleeps in that, has a sleeping visor that doubles as an eye mask. It's like a visor that he sleeps in, but it doubles as an eye mask. Like that is a Gus yeah, Malzahn. Yeah, he pulls it, just pulls it down, like flip sunglasses. But flip yeah, visor. like flip. Yep. But it's like a visor, but it's a, yep. A hundred percent. And other than that news, I assume. Mm, maybe because he's at the beach now and he spent so long at, at Auburn just buttoned up. And now he's like, yeah. yeah. He's so much happier at UCF. It's crazy. So when everyone was talking about Harson, I literally just wanted to post a picture of Gus Malzahn living his best like, life and be like... Gus Malzahn tanned in a Hawaiian UCF shirt. That <laughs> yeah. was like all he wore. Like, yeah. Last year's Hawaiian UCF shirt. He was cool. Did you see before the space game, the video of him walking around in like a NASA jumpsuit? Like yeah. going like just high like a normal, like hanging on his office in a spacesuit. Like, He's it's just, so much more yeah. relaxed and so yeah. much happier to just be out of it. Yeah. And can I just and say I think- really, I want to say really quickly, I know I'm, I don't want to get into the Auburn like stuff and Harson being fired and whatnot Same because Auburn head coach. It, it's fine. It's in the, I mean, he just was never going to work there. So I don't, and like those of us that watched West coast football knew that that was not going to be something that could be, and then there's nothing to say Harson. Harson's a nice guy. I think he's a good coach for what he does, but he's, he just can't coach in the SEC or at Auburn. So that's, that is what it is. What I don't like and what I want to call some attention to is no context football tweeted a photo of the girl, you know, that's been accused yeah, of, you know, hooking know. up with him yeah. and whatever it is that she's accused of. I don't know this girl, you know, and things go on in programs. It is what it is. It, as a female in this industry, I've seen it all and nothing surprises me. But what I don't like is you don't know the story. You don't know what's going on. You don't know if she did or she didn't. Do not involve her in Harson being fired. That was just a completely uncalled for thing. And it makes me really upset to see that happen. 
So the thing that that's from like last offseason when Auburn was like looking for a reason to fire him for cause, right. or at least the boosters were and the whole mess that was. And they tried to attack him in his personal life in a lot of ways. And I've never seen any proof that I think it was just a woman who went from Boise State staff to Auburn staff. And so I they mean, it obviously doesn't look great, right? There's some optics there that are, but it, that doesn't mean that this girl is sleeping with him or that any of that stuff is happening. So, like, well, if you don't know what you're yeah, talking about, you shouldn't. There's no for any proof of it whatsoever. You know what I mean? I mean, no, sometimes there's text messages and pictures. There and there was no proof of this. In this no, case. there wasn't. And That's obviously, pe- case by case. Right. There was no proof in the scenario. So I just really like, as a woman in this industry, was very upset to see that. Did not like that that people were making it about this girl, whatever her business is. It had nothing to do. What it's really about is Auburn dysfunction because Auburn boosters wanted to hire Kevin Steele, who's a good old boy network guy, you know, friends with all of them, yada, yada, yada. And the AD at the time, Alan Green, said, I'm going to pull rank and show you that I'm the guy who makes the decisions. And he made a bad hire who didn't fit for numerous reasons. Like you were just saying, you know, Mountain West SEC. Yeah, it's just, it wasn't a thing and that's fine. They figured it out the hard way. And Alan Green's gone now. Brian Harson's gone now, but like man, man up and pay the buyout. Then if you're that, if you think you messed up that bad, don't drag people through the mud when you don't even have a reason to drag them through the mud. You know what I mean? Uh, so I just, I wanted to, I wanted to like, it would take that job to be honest with you at this point. And so I wanted, I wanted to bring attention to the fact that they, that they did this to this, this poor girl. Like, and I, we don't know what the story is and I'm not going to pretend to sit here. I'm not going to defend her or not defend her. But what I'm saying is him being fired and posting a picture of her in the war Eagle room, holding the helmet like that. That's just unnecessary and uncalled for. Do not drag this girl through the mud based on Harson's poor performance as a head coach. You're right. 100%. It makes me mad. So. 100%. Uh, Anyways. I've written enough stuff <laughs> in the last like two days. Yeah, that's fine. I just had to, I had to air my piece out there and I will be quote tweeting this tweet from this particular account and calling them out for this bullshit behavior. So don't you guys worry. All right. Um, uh, as for who I'm going to, yeah, who I'm going to pick. Uh, um, What's Ryan Silverfield pajama situation? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, totally like Memphis Tiger flannel printed oh. full set. Full set? Tiger stripes, like the tiger stripes ones they wear. Like Fred Flintstone, but like I gotcha. tiger stripes. I gotcha. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. That's why I, I see that okay. for him. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I'm assuming you're picking UCF or... Yes, UCF, all the way. I'm in the same boat as you. Yeah, and I'm obviously on UCF too. I don't know that that 100% needs to be said to be known. Um, That's fair. Moving on to a game I think is pretty interesting this week, and it's Navy at Cincinnati. Uh, You've got a Bearcats team that's trying to bounce back from its first conference loss since 2019, I think it is. Something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And a Navy team that can give you a hard time if you're not going to blow them out is the way I like to think of it. And Cincinnati this year is not going to blow you out. They don't have the offensive firepower to do it. So does Cincinnati let Navy hang around and possibly sneak up on them is my question. I don't think, I don't think so. Okay. Not at Cincinnati. Right. Yeah. It's at Netbert. They're favored uh, by 19 and a half right now, which 
it's pretty gnarly. I mean, I get it. Um, I get it. I get it too. I get it. I don't think they're going to, I think Navy's going to make it harder for him, especially in that first half. But what's great about this game is you'll know from the opening drive, if Navy doesn't let Cincinnati yeah. score on the opening yeah. drive, they're going to win. <laughs> well, again, that's, that's the function of Navy is if they have the lead, they can, can they can dictate the pace and kind yeah. of follow play. And if not, then it's being dictated upon them. And, you know, I think Cincinnati is going to come out very determined and very focused after last week. I mean, yeah, they're going to be pissed. So I, I, yeah, I think Cincinnati's going to just impose their will on Navy. And I've said this about Navy a few different times this year. And since I've been doing the podcast, which is a couple of years now, a couple few, I don't know how many years it's been. Um, Navy is not a team with athletes that can keep, can keep up with the top teams in the conference purely on that level, you know, and it's going to dictate, uh, it's going to dictate the outcome of this game to see that happen. Yeah. And, um, and I think Cincinnati wins probably pretty easily, but I just wanted to know if you thought that Navy had a chance of keeping it close and possibly pulling an upset. Which I think they could, I, I think they could keep it close. Um, but I, I don't think they win. I think Cincinnati wins. This game was like 20-24 and looked very similar to the USF game for Cincinnati. I wouldn't be shocked either. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think I'm expecting Cincinnati to win something like 31-10 or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could see that. In that range. So we're both on Cincinnati? We are. Uh, Pajama talk. Kenny Amatololo, what's he wearing? Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, this is going to sound weird, but... I envision let's get weird. Can Mimatololo dress like a pirate for bed? <laughs> why? I, I know so I, I don't know why. That's just Maybe the first like, thing. I attach. He's got his like little blouse. <laughs> he has like a pirate on. pajama outfit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Me, I think Luke Fickle wears a uh, Ohio State wrestling t-shirt. <laughs> That's a good one. He's definitely a t-shirt. To bed kind of guy, for he sure. Like maybe a pair of shorts he doesn't love. Like a I think pair of old Nike think, like running shorts that he doesn't wear much anymore. Yeah, yeah, but they're thing. like well loved and like, be, like threadbare. The, yeah, the waist doesn't really hold. The you can't wear them in right. public. You know, I could see right. that for him. I would also pick Ken in a pillow fight because he's got much more heft to really, him behind that. Luke Pickle's a great wrestler, so. It's not pillow fighting is not wrestling, okay? okay it's like fencing. I think it's some of it's transferable personally. It's like about shifting your weight around so that it's, it's oh, more like, like boxing. Okay. Well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say fickle. Okay. Yeah, that's all. Uh our last game of the week, Houston at SMU, a little Texas battle. I swear uh, to God, if Houston doesn't the, I was gonna win. start the pajama talk first. Okay, but if Houston doesn't win this game, I will quit. I will quit the podcast. <laughs> I will just quit. I'm telling you right now. If SMU uh, wins this game, I will quit the podcast. Anyways, there's no way that Dana doesn't sleep naked at night, right? Mm, I think he, he sleeps that, in like silk, silk like cheetah print thong, no. like for just the oh, bottom. Yeah, I'm in a cheetah print thong. I think that's what mm-hmm. he puts on to walk the dog. Ew, no. Howdy, neighbor. Can't get mad. I'm wearing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's covered that needs to be covered. No. And I think, yeah, I think we're talking no sheets, like on top of like, just like a bed cut. Like he definitely has like a circular rotating bed. Water bed. Maybe. I can see him having a water bed. Either or. 
Brett Lashley, though, I think is a straight up just boxer briefs, no yeah. nonsense, but like, yeah. I think he's a sleek. Very, yeah, like a, a fresh pair. He doesn't wear the ones or whatever wear. kids are wearing on TikTok. That's what Brett Lashley is wearing to bed. Do kids wear pajamas on TikTok? I don't, I don't know. I don't have a TikTok. I don't know. No, I'm just like whatever they're wearing on TikTok. That's what he's going to be wearing. Okay. To bed. All right. And then in a pillow fight, I'm definitely taking Holgerson. Like, oh yeah, he'll he'll sweep the leg. And he's gonna put rocks in his pillow. Like that's like he is a rocks in the bottom of the pillow kind of guy. Bars of soap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now, as for the football game itself, (laughs) is there a football game? (laughs) We just want to see a pillow fight. Like I said, Mordecai is supposed to, supposedly going to be able to play in this game. Uh, or at least he's preparing like he's going to be able to play. The fact that SMU is favored by three points in this game. Yeah, we've talked about this. That means it's a coin flip game because SMU is should, It shouldn't be. Houston is a better team. <laughs> On paper, yeah. Um, Clayton Toon just had like a record completion percentage in his last game. Like, you're going to tell me? Against USF is what... Whatever. That's what a Vegas hot maker would tell you, is that they don't trust... Ugh. Is that they still don't trust Houston because they beat Navy and USF. You know what I mean? Or even Memphis. They come from behind one against Memphis. They'll say it shouldn't have been that situation to begin with against them. You know what I mean? That's what they'll tell you, is that just because they've been winning the competition is what negates that feeling. And. I'm not necessarily agreeing with that 100%. I'm just saying that that's where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the question really is, can SMU's defense get two or three stops in this game? Because I think that SMU can score 30-plus on Houston pretty easily. I really do. I don't know that their defense can allow less than 40, though. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, to me, the tricky part. Is, Clayton Toon's going want... to break more records. He's going to break another I... record. I actually really want to pick SMU in this game because I want to prove to you that they're a defense. Do it. I dare you. I dare you to pick SMU. Okay, because I want to prove to you that they're a better team than you've given them credit for. And I know you saw them live. I know. I know. I know everything nope. you have to say about it. Nope. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to shake my head. No. Okay. I'm, I know that the defense is still there at SMU. And it's been <laughs> that was is that how you describe it. Yeah, pretty Okay. But, you know, you get a healthy offense. We're really good at our jobs, by the way. I think this is yeah, perfect analysis. It's great. It's really good. We're we're really good sports media members right now. I think we're just lucky I haven't dropped a couple F-bombs and given us an E rating for this. (laughs) Fair enough. We have Eric come back and be like, why is this episode rated E? What did they do? (laughs) We're like, well, oops. Well, you see, we're talking about how Dana sleeps in the nude and wears leopard print thongs. And I don't know, I guess a couple uh, F-bombs slipped out. I really wanted to get, by the way, listeners, I wanted to get Mike Houston for this or some of the ECU people to talk about the win, but they are in their bi-week mode, so they are not doing interviews and whatnot. I'm glad Mike Houston's not on for our pajama episode. I think he would really. I think he would enjoy it. We, if he does come on, we're gonna ask him what he thinks other coaches wear to bed for sure. Hey, speaking of, what does Mike Houston wear to bed? I don't even know how to answer that. That's like I'm trying not to repeat an answer here. I know it's tough because there's only so many things guys can Mm. wear to bed. You know what I think? Hold nailers wears. I think I was gonna say onesie. Hold nailers for sure wears a onesie. Like, but I don't think Houston needs to know. 
I think he has an old, like, I think like every night of the week, like he sleeps flannel? in one of his, no, one of his old um, team's t-shirts. So he's got like a James Madison Duke. James Nets Madison. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Because he's like. He's, kid, Elon. Yeah. Yeah. There was on an Elon like pair of. Yeah. I think he just has like gear from all of his. I think he just lives in all of his old coaching gear. I don't think he throws any of it away. I bet he still has well. We should ask him that. Yeah. That's a thing to look forward to. Anyways, uh, the football game that we were definitely talking about. I just think Clayton Uh, Toon is just going to be too much. And Houston's defense is good. They're not great. They didn't live up to their expectations defensively this year. Yeah. I mean, that's the trick of it is I think SMU needs to score just about every drive and get some stops that I'm not sure where they're going to get them from. At the same time, I need to prove a point. So I'm taking SMU. Go ponies. I, I, I appreciate you for that. I'm obviously taking Houston and I will quit the podcast of SMU wins. <laughs> so a lot riding on it. Holgerson, oh. come on now. All right, I need you to double back and pick Tulane Tulsa. Oh yeah. Uh, um, I'm going to go Tulane. I'm going to stick with Tulane. Yeah, that's fair. That's the right thing I know. to do. I, I, it is the right thing to do. I don't love it, but I'm doing it. All right. All right. We did it. We need to end this before we talk about anything else. <laughs> um, yeah. I was going to ask you about the Michigan-Michigan State like tunnel incident, but I don't know that we need to be yeah. the, another podcast to break it down because... I don't really know all of the... like. I saw the video late Sunday night, and I was... It was abhorrent. At this point, I've heard eight Michigan State players are suspended for it. I've, it was abhorrent. It was literally it's like awful. I it's I turned to my boyfriend and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I've seen so many things. I was at the App State, you know, when Marshall was being harassed by all those people. But this comes down to the issue. Why are these guys going out of the same tunnel? Why, why is there like, what is this? It's a super old stadium and that's how it was designed. And it's a poor design. Like Notre Dame Stadium had insane. the same issue to be honest with you like Notre Dame like in the Lou Holtz era frankly had like a bunch of tunnel fights with like Miami and stuff like that because they all had to share one tunnel and Notre Dame eventually had to build a little tunnel for the visitors and that was like it's this tiny little thing cracked into the side of the stadium but it keeps them from using the same entrance and it prevents fights and the tunnel thing like I know that Jim Harbaugh would tell you that we've had the tunnel there for a hundred years and like, you know, being like, it doesn't excuse what Michigan state players did, but Mm -hmm. you do need, this is Ohio state last year, Penn state this year. And most abhorrently Michigan state, Mm because the other two were each team kind of just jawing each other. Like, you know what I mean? Ohio state Mm -hmm. was just teams jawing and maybe a little pushing. Yeah. And yeah, this was like cold blooded. (laughs) <laughs> You're gone again. <laughs> and and I again, I just I don't necessarily feel like I need to go down the rabbit hole and say too much about it because that's not what we do. This is an AAC right. show, but it's a big topic in college football this week. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned. And, it. Yeah, I know it just that stinks that that happened the way it did. I think criminal charges are coming for at least a couple of those players because yeah. It, I mean, and it, and they it was like fight. a prison fight. It was it was ridiculous, and yeah, you know, I think last year I had joked around with you that Mel Tucker was going to 
either get a huge extension from Michigan State or get the LSU job, one or the other. And you were talking about how much you were not thrilled with that. Not a Mel Tucker fan because he's yeah. a snake. Yeah. How's that contract working out for Michigan State? I think they owe him $85 million if he got fired today. It's crazy. These things happen under his watch. I've seen yeah. – he's just not a good guy. So – I don't know. Oh, well, I hope it gets resolved, and I hope the, and the young we'll, men that were – Yeah. We'll keep okay. seeing more news about it and mm-hmm. more news about it. Yeah. And if you want to catch some of that news about it, on three is where I'm writing. And oftentimes it's about this kind of thing because on three does have more of a power five uh, focus naturally. And if you have any disagreement with our pajama choices or pillowcase fighting, please tweet at us. You can find me at Twitter on at MLM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. Find me at Twitter at uh, Dan underscore Morrison 96. Yeah. Let's go. uh, Oh, Absolutely. And we need to end this before we say anything else. Yeah. We'll see you in week 11. (laughs) Peace. Peace.